On the web one afternoon Found a site that made me swoon It had something for each Harry, Dick and Tom You can find it in my cache Or http colon slash slash and you'll find quite a lot of wax on that their website Quite a lot of wax to view Some people say it wanes But we shall eat their brains And kick them in the crotches too For everyone should love this wondrous website Everyone who wants to live If you don't read all the works You're a bunch of stupid jerks And I'll meet you in the shower with my shift Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Cast and Wax, the only official podcast of Waxwork.com, except no substitutes, because there aren't any that are real, so don't get faked out. My name is Jordan D. White, and you just heard a bit of that old-timey barbershop music of Waxwork theme cue, quite a lot of wax. Let's jump right into the, uh, you know, show. We've got a whole bunch of stuff, lots of bonus stuff, and of course, as always, your listener mail. Let me introduce my fellow co-hosts. Starting with the gentleman right next to me, Mr. Frank Allen. Hello, Frank. Hello. Uh, yeah, it's good to be here, as always, and uh, I'm very excited for the show. Got a good uh, episode of Tractor Fiction, and then I got a Frank Allen interview. I got all sorts of good things on the show tonight. Good, good. How's everything going in your life? Oh, not too bad. I, you know, same old, same old. Nothing eventful. I, you know, I keep working. I, I, I hope that uh, the show will, uh, again, lead to something better, because my job, uh, work at a supermarket and all, is not as good as being a radio host, so... I'd like to be a radio host. We know. Thanks. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, over there, we've got Mr. Scape, uh, who is my, well, Mr. White, Scape White, who is my cat. Yeah, my name is really Mr. Scape. That's like an, an illusion. An illusion? It's not really an illusion, because I don't know if anybody was tricked by it. Well, it could be. If they, if they hear the name Mr. Scape, they'll think, oh, I better send him mail to Mr. Scape. I wonder what his first name is. Jerome? I don't think anybody would assume your name is Jerome. Well, but they might. I'm saying that my name is Scape White. So you could call me Mr. White. Yeah, but my name is Mr. White. So that would be confusing. All right. Well, then just call me Scape. I, you started it. I, I did. Did you have anything exciting to go on record about? No. Okay. This is a boring episode so far. Let's keep going. Uh, over here, we've got Mr. Roy Sinjin. Oh, thank you. Finally. Good to me. Yes. Yeah, finally I do. What is wrong? You know. I do? Yes. Oh, okay. Anyway... No, um, we're not just going to brush it off. That's ridiculous. And if you're not going to tell everyone why I'm mad at you, then I'll tell everyone. Last week, I tried to do an incredible, brilliant plan to do product placement, and uh, you ruined it by censoring the name of the product I was placing. So it ended up being me sounding like a fool, talking with my mouth full, uh, for no reason whatsoever. I got nothing out of it. I mean, you know, how, how, what kind of a good advertisement for me is that? I'm, I'm all blah, 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 mumble, mumble, mumble. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't, I sound like, I sound terrible. People who heard me probably were like, well, I certainly wouldn't want him as a historian. Because he mumbles and talks with his mouth full. He doesn't, you know, he, I don't want him to give a speech. I don't want him to read me an alternate history. I mean, that, how is that supposed to make me look? Well, it was your idea. You're the one talking with your mouth full. Whether you had said the name of the product or not, you were still talking with your mouth full. I mean, it sounded terrible. That's, I mean, that's why I didn't want you to do it. Yes, but if I said the name, at least I'd get something out of it. And everyone would have said, oh, that, well, he's very smart. He's a smart person. I, I'd like him to do an alternate history reading for me. I don't think anybody would say that. Because anybody who was that concerned with smartness probably would be smart enough to know you're a liar and a jerk. Well, 
Hang on, I'm not. No, it's a, it's a plan. I had a plan, all right? A plan is a good thing. So, you know, you ruined it. Well, I'm sorry. I don't think you're sorry. I mean, if you were sorry, you'd have product placement on the on the podcast, wouldn't you? No, that's not how sorry works. Sorry doesn't mean, well, it means a lot of different things, but it doesn't always mean, you know, I was wrong. It could mean I'm sorry that you're suffering. But you have to continue suffering. Well, that's not a very nice sorry, and it's not that sorry anyway. Oh, look, forget it. Forget it. Look, everyone, if you want to, if you want to hire me as an alternate historian, I don't, I don't talk with my mouthful during readings. So you can contact me through the the email address castandwax at gmail dot com, and I can give you an alternate historical reading. I it's for a nominal fee. All right, good enough. I'm not gonna. Obviously, I can't censor you using our email to do business because it's our email. And I want everybody to know our email. But that doesn't mean I want the focus of the show to be getting you a job. Well, I have a job, Sue. Getting you additional jobs. Oh, my God. Rory. Shh. This is a boring show. Can we talk about me some more? Yes, Scape. Uh, what did you want to talk about? Oh. Uh, oh, nothing. But if I'm, if you're, if we're talking about me, at least the show is, is good. Well, the show, for, I mean, I like to think the show's good anyway. But you, you said you don't have anything interesting. I said, do you specifically, do you have anything interesting to talk about? And you were like, no. Well, I don't. But, but I'm... Good. Well, yeah, but that's not that's not enough. All right, uh, here, let's uh, let's see. I'll think of something interesting to actually ask you about. Um, I don't know. Um, what do you what are your thoughts on politics? Uh, my what? Politics, like um, there's a presidential election happening. What do you think? Who's gonna win? Who are you gonna vote for? Can you vote? No, I can't vote. I'm not gonna vote. I don't get. I don't get a vote. Oh, look, I don't care about whatever that is. Politics. What's your thoughts on um, the war, the Iraq War? I don't die. Ask about good things! Things I like! Ask about that. Ask about birds outside. <laughs> yeah? Yeah, come on. Alright, what do you think about birds outside? Oh, I don't kill them. I, w- I would. I would eat them. Cause, oh, sometimes I could sit on the window, so, and like watch, and they just will like hang out, outside, out on the air conditioner, and I'm like, oh, you're like a foot away, I could grab you. Yeah, but there's a window, so they know you can't grab them. Yeah, but it's like a foot away. Yeah. But there's glass in between. You can't get through. Well, I had... I could. I could. No, you couldn't. That's not how glass works. You, the window... You can't open the window. They, they're outside and they know they're safe. Well, someday... Look, okay, forget it. Oh, why do you even talk to me about stupid stuff? You told me to talk to you. Oh, God. Scape. All right, moving on. Frank, uh, should we move on? Uh, yeah. What's the first show tonight? The uh, first show tonight, thank you for asking, is Decker and Hayes. It's the eighth episode of the series, uh, still during the first season, so it's still recorded live on the air, and we've been trying to, again, remaster them so that they sound a little bit better than they used to. But we're getting very close to the end. This is the second to last episode of the first season of the show. And where we left off, if I remember correctly, was that Stella was just getting out of the hospital, where she had been treated for being shot, and her secretary, Tommy Potsdam, and a different detective named Julian McGinnis were all helping her out in this investigation. They were investigating this whole kind of convoluted at this point deal that involved a a woman and her husband both being murdered at this point uh lots of broken plates at a diner gosh almighty it's just a a very big mystery let's see if anything gets uncovered this episode shall we here's decker and hayes Episode 8, Up the Creek, by Daniel Schwartz. (laughs) 
parlor town, a city that has more than its share of dirty secrets, a city where crime pays better than work and the truth takes a backseat to staying alive, a city where Stella Decker and Macy Hayes have become private detectives, dividing their passion between the pursuit of justice and the pleasures of each other. The Nichols case had degenerated into chaos, with both client and victim dead, supposedly at Macy's hands. With Macy on the run, Stella turned to an old colleague, Julian McGinnis, and her loyal secretary, Tommy Poxton. The two of them now searched through files at Greenlight Supplies, trying to find a pattern in some broken porcelain. I can't make heads or tails of it, Tommy. Stickler broke these plates. These guys delivered new ones. Nothing sinister I can see about it. Stickler, owner of the Blue Diner and McGinnis's former client, had been shot and then died in the hospital under mysterious circumstances. His plates getting broken had warranted the attention of a private detective. It seems strange, though, doesn't it, Mr. McGinnis? All these plates getting broken suddenly. Then a shooting? You're a good kid, Tommy boy, but you won't last long in parlor town thinking like that. Most folks around here would sell their grandmother for a day's pay, and if their granny gets plugged, well, that's the way life goes. Life is cheap in this town. <sighs> Back then, I figured I could change it by being a detective. What happened? Eh, Johnny the Brick kidnapped my sister and slit her throat. Oh my god! More or less my response. Then, why do you still do it? Well, I figured... Don't need to worry about my sister anymore, do I? Miss Decker and Miss Hayes always seem so confident. Like, it's only a matter of time before they solve the case. And a little while after that, before they've cleaned up Palatown for good. Even when the client doesn't pay and the rent's due and the truck won't run, they don't give up. Stell's a tough mother. First met her just before I left the force. I've been on the job maybe two, three weeks. And I had to go with Lieutenant Wallace to break up some gangbangers who were having a rumble down in South Tip. That's spider territory, and the blades were trying to muscle in. Kids with chains, knives, crap like that. Miss Decker was helping to take them down? <laughs> you kidding? Stella was running with the blades. Miss Decker? Yeah. Well, and the hell out of two spiders three times her size with a crowbar. Took four officers to just get her cuffed. I saw that and thought to myself, Julian, maybe you should go private. Following wives for paranoid husbands, <laughs> tracking down lost pets, nice and quiet. Besides, nobody bribes a rookie much. That's an uh, interesting story. Most of life is, kid. Hey, look at this. What's up? Mrs. Nichols said her husband borrowed money around the 16th. Then there's this huge delivery to Stickler on the 17th. A day or two later, the husband kicks it. Think there's a connection? Could be. Still getting that much money to buy some plates. Not much of a businessman. Old Nichols, huh? <sighs> Apparently not. Look under payments received. A couple grand from Jack N. Jack Nichols, you think? I think so. Sounds screwy, but then the whole thing is pretty twisted. Let's get back to Stella's. Stella Decker had been released from the hospital a few hours before to free up one more bed for some poor sap to die in. She was a little rocked from being shot. It had been a while since anybody shot at her, and the first time she couldn't immediately tell why. She'd sent Tommy and Julian on some errand to keep them busy. They'd be out of trouble for now. Meanwhile, acting on the only lead she had, she tracked down the first listing in the phone book for Cross. Apparently Stickler had been shot by somebody named Tony Cross, and the only one she could find was a consultant on Townsend Street. So, bandages still fresh, she'd headed down to the financial district, where crime bosses ran front businesses that explained their illicit gains to the IRS. Nice digs for a guy who steals tableware. Wonder what he's got to do with all this. The offices of Wexler and Cross were wood-paneled and lushly carpeted, the kind of place where men smoked cigars and played puppet masters. A young receptionist greeted Stella as she walked in. Welcome to Rexler and Cross, ma'am. Do you have an appointment? I'm here to see Mr. Cross. Oh, Dr. Cross won't see anyone without an appointment. 
Yeah, most whores won't. Tell him that unless I see him in the next two minutes, he'll have an appointment to appear in court for murder. Um, uh, I'll see what I can do. Please take a seat. Minute and a half now, sugar lips. Get going. Stella sat down in the lobby, sinking slightly into the upholstery of the chair. There weren't any magazines in sight, so she examined two portraits <coughs> on the wall. One was a man who looked strangely familiar, red-headed and vaguely insecure. The other was of a much older man, skeletally thin with tinted wireframe glasses. Under the portrait was a quotation. Stella squinted to read it from her chair. Justice is the advantage of the strongest? What the hell does that mean? It's Plato's Republic, madam. It's a fancy way of saying, might makes right. It was the older of the two men who addressed Stella. He was on the other side of the room, crossing over to her with a look of quiet distaste. His voice was raspy and dry like a sandpaper massage. Stella stood up. The man was less tall than he seemed, his thinness made him seem taller, and offered a hand. Dr. Cross, I presume? Indeed you do, young lady. I'm a busy, busy man. You're throwing around some very serious allegations. I just wanted to get your attention. My name is Stella Decker, and I have to- Decker? The detective? No, the plumber. I came to fix the pipes. Yeah, the detective. Feisty. I like that. Come with me. Stella resisted the urge to sock him for calling her feisty, and followed him to a boardroom that seemed straight out of the days of gentlemen's clubs and plutocrats, a relic of Parlor Town's more prosperous days. Photographs around the room seemed to confirm its age and distinction. Nice office you got, Doc. The spoils of a successful career, Miss Decker. Now, if you could explain what all this is about. Do you know a man named Stickler? Runs the Blue Diner? Ash. What about him? Ash. His first name, Ashley. Stella understood instantly why the deceased had been such a caustic jerk. His parents must have been truly cruel. Well, he was shot a couple nights back. Before he died, he mentioned your name. My God. Shot? Why would anyone shoot Ash? Couldn't say. Why'd you do it? I assure you, Miss Decker, this news comes as a complete shock to me. I've known Ash for years. A good man, if a little caustic. The idea that someone would kill him is absolutely horrible. Save the tears, Cross. Answer my questions, and maybe the judge will go easy on you. How'd you know him? We worked together for several years before he opened the Blue Diner. A skilled business mind helped keep several of Parlor Town's larger firms afloat. You come to the Blue Diner much? Sometimes. I've something of a weak stomach. Greasy food upsets me. Where were you two nights ago? Around midnight? At home, reading. The city council's new regulations make life difficult for some of my clients, so I try my best to keep informed. Stella was losing patience. She knew she was missing something, but she couldn't put her finger on what. On a whim, she switched tactics. Dr. Cross, what do you know about Jack Nichols? Only the briefest twitch gave Cross away. <clears throat> Stella knew she'd hit a nerve. His expression vanished as quickly as it came. Only what I've seen on the news. Apparently, he has a talent for being found dead. And before that, any contact? Now look here, you nosy little dyke. You barged into my office, accused me of murder, and treated me like an errant schoolboy. I've lost my patience for you inane little games. Leave now, or I'll call the police, who I'm sure are eager to question you regarding your partner's disappearance. I've got better things to do than be spoken down to by an obnoxious little chit of a girl with no respect for her betters. Cross stood and left the room. Stella followed, walking out of the lobby toward the elevator. 
As the doors closed, she looked back on the portraits and realized where she'd seen a face like the red-headed man's. Well, 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 Dr. Cross. Funny that you've never met Jack Nichols when your partner's his father-in-law. Tommy had made photocopies of the records he felt were most useful. Speaking to the foreman had revealed nothing about the payment, which McGinnis had said was a good sign of illegal business. Tommy hoped Stella would have a better idea of how to handle the situation. As the two of them walked out to the car, Tommy ran possibilities through his head. Hey, snap out of it, Tommy boy. You look like somebody ran over your cat. Sorry, Mr. McGinnis. Julian, please. Julian, I- I'm just tired. This all seems so complicated. Same here, Tommy. We opened up a big can of worms with this one. Mr. McGinnis, Julian, I've been wondering... What's up, Tommy? Well... When Miss Decker talks about you, she implies that you, well... Are dashingly handsome? No, it's more that you... Should get more cases! Well, frankly, Julian, Miss Decker thinks that you're gay. And... Well, is it true? Who's that? McGinnis pointed to a woman standing in front of their car. Tall and curvy, she stood out against the gray snow of Parlor Town in her black leather jacket and pants. The ensemble was accessorized by a mean-looking handgun. Rhiannon? You know her? She's my girlfriend. Man, what did you do? Shut up and get in the car, both of you. We're going on a little ride. The mystery deepens. A kidnapping adding to the murder and deceit we've seen already. What's the connection between Stickler's plates and Nichols' murder? Where are Tommy and McGinnis being taken? Can Stella solve the mystery alone? Where is Macy gone? Is this the end of Tommy and Rhiannon's relationship? Our story will continue next week in Decker and Hayes. Love and death. In that episode of Decker and Hayes, Narrator was Daniel Schwartz, Stella Decker was Angela Tyman, Tommy Potsdam was Nicholas Roach, Julian McGinnis was Rich Bellin, Dr. Anthony Cross was Aaron Bass, Rhiannon Rose was Devin White, and the secretary was Magdalena Richards. The theme song was by Michael Temporary Card Mikowski. Thank you very much, and that was Decker and Hayes. I hope everybody dug it. Um, next up, we have a little bit of a show called This Day in History. It's Roy Sinjin's section of the show. Roy, did you want to say something about it? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I would say that this section of the show was brought to you by, and then insert a product placement here, but of course, as we know, it would get bleeped out, so it would be pointless, wouldn't it? For now, instead, I will just say it is brought to you by me, and not anyone else here, as I do it entirely on my own. Good. Why, again, why are you, is there a need to bring this up? You've is this a big deal? Yes, because, again, uh, you know, somebody could hear this part of the show and think that you contributed in some way, and you didn't. So if this is the only reason you're listening, first of all, I'm sorry that you're only listening for, you know, three minutes of material, and you have to hear this whole thing. Rory, but... there's a lot of podcasts here, and hopefully they're listening to more... Oh, God. Everybody's being a jerk this episode, and I don't like it. Be nice. It's my podcast. I let you on it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. It's your podcast. Let's move on to my part of the show, shall we? This is uh, This Day in History. Enjoy. 
Hello and welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin and this is WHRW Binghamton. Way back on July 21st, 365, a powerful earthquake off the coast of Greece causes a tsunami that devastates the city of Alexandria, Egypt. Although there were no measuring tools at the time, scientists now estimate that the quake was actually two tremors in succession, the largest of which was thought to have a magnitude of 8.0. Have you tried the new pyramid tea? No. Can, can I get some? Yeah, it, it keeps the leaves intact. Here, try some. Uh, I can't get it. It's spilling out. Oh, God, no. There's an earthquake. Oh, God, no. We've only someone. I thought it was brand new. We'll have to buy a new package. I thought it was brand new. It was. I thought it was brand new. It, yeah, let's go down to the store. We'll see if we can buy a new one. If we cannot fall over. Oh, okay. Oh. Get in the car. <laughs> All the packages are open, but no. who cares? It's an earthquake. Don't eat it. It's bad for you. I don't care. I'm Egyptian and it's 360 <laughs> something. I don't know about Look out, a gang of thieves. And because they bought and ate food with broken seals, they all died from a severe case of garbalixis. It was very sad. Make sure that when you purchase food, if you purchase food, the seal is always unbroken because it's more healthful that way and you won't die as much. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. Hope you're not too shaken up yet. This is Rory Sinjin on Where Are They Now in History for Cast and Wax. If you're like me, you're wondering about this Garblixus thing. Like I said, it has to do with buying and eating from packages that were already opened when they bought them. In ancient Egypt, there was this thing that they liked to call some Egyptian word. But that Egyptian word is translated to mean factory. And in this factory, they made things like food. And they had something which isn't exactly like a can, but it was sort of the ancient Egyptian equivalent of a can. And they would put fruit in it and close it as best as they could. Technology for closing things wasn't as good back then and they shipped it out to the stores. But there was a monster called the Garbalixus here, and it had these special monster jams called Garbalixus, of course, and it would cough while it worked in the factory. Oh, did I mention it worked in the factory? Well, it did work in the factory because it helped close things. But he was very careful, and he would only cough when the things were finished closing. So he'd be like, close, <coughs> close, <coughs> The problem is, if they weren't quite closed, those Garbalexus germs wouldn't be on the outside. They'd find a way into the hole, and they would take it to the store, and it would still be open. It would mean there was Garbalexus germs in there. You could get Garbalexus, you could die. And the same thing holds true today. Don't eat food from containers that's already open when you purchase them. My name is Rory Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History? on Cast and Wax. Now, do I even have to do my, my bit here where I say you're wrong about everything and you're stupid? I would prefer if you didn't. All right, well, uh, let's take it as read. That you're wrong and stupid. No, we'll, say, we'll take it as rather that you say I'm wrong and stupid, but that you're the one who's wronger and stupider. Well, I'd say stupider, except that I'm not stupid. Or wrong, actually. Say so, so I'm not wrong and stupid is what I'm trying to say. Well said, well said. You're, you're, you're talking about factories in ancient Egypt. I Last time I checked, there weren't any. I mean, I, not that I've been to ancient Egypt, but whenever I've heard about ancient Egypt, they don't talk a lot about factories. Limited, limited mind, of course. Um, one universe you're thinking of, uh, probably the one you grew up in. I'm looking in the wider realm in which there are other possibilities. And in that universe, there is factories in ancient Egypt. I don't... You have to explain this every episode. We should just skip this whole section in which you say I'm wrong, I say I'm right, you say, not true, I say, well, it's another universe. It's another universe. Roy, what's going on with you today? Are you super stressed out about something or what? I mean, you're you're jumping a little harder on everybody than, than I think usual. Right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Basically, I'm trying to expand my business. It, it's it's an idea I got from a, from an interview, actually, I did. Uh, someone was asking about it, and, and I thought, well, let's, let's see if I can do it, if I can pull it off. What I'm trying to do is, you may have heard of uh, the American legal system. Yes, yeah, of course, we participate in it on a daily basis, probably, in some way or another. Right, 
Well, someone suggested that as an expert on other universes, I would be a very good um, expert witness for, well, for, for things like alibis, you know, to say, someone could say, well, what, what was this person at such and such a place? And I could say, well, absolutely. Yes, of course. Because um, in, in some universes, it's true. No matter what, I, I would not be lying because I do believe it. Wow! And you're gonna you're gonna charge money for this? Well, it's a service. Look, it's it's a service. It's a, it's a very dishonest service. That's I you know I really hate your normal service and think you're a conniving jerk, liar, thief for it. But this seems far worse in many many ways. It's immensely dishonest and I hope a crime. No, it's not. I don't think it is. No, because, like I said, I would swear on, you know, the Bible or whatever, and I would swear that what I'm saying is true. And I, like I said, technically, everything I would say would be true. Yeah, that's not right. That's wrong. You're, you're a worse person than I remember. I'm not. Look, oh, for heaven's sake, let's move on with the show. You're, you're going to, well, I, I don't believe in hell, but if I did, you would be going to hell. Uh, right, right. I'm not kidding with you. I'm serious. All right, well... Frank, you know, let's, I mean, he's going to do what he's going to do, and we'll see how it works out for him. Well, yes. All right, well, let's get on to Tractor Fiction, speaking of hell. Yes, Tractor Fiction. Uh, this is our, our espionage episode, right? Uh, the assignment. Yes. Oh, and Frank, uh, we didn't mention, in the last episode and in this one, uh, you sound really terrible. Yes, uh, thank you for pointing that out. But yeah, no, this was recorded during a time when I was sick, uh, and you can tell my, my voice is extra gruff. At the time. So, uh, here's the assignment, also recorded live on the air, and I think uh, everybody will dig it. Hello, everyone. Yes, it's time again for Tract or Fiction, the amazing, amazing segment of the show in which we do dramatize the works of Jack Chick. My name is, uh... Frank, Frank Allen. My God, I just forgot my own name for a moment. Uh, but I do apologize for that. My name is Frank Allen. Uh, my voice is still a little hoarse, so you'll, you'll pardon me for that, of course. Uh, we are going to do a tract today called The Assignment. This is a very interesting tract, which um, is interesting. Has lots of... Uh, for, for all of you... Uh, like uh, fans of uh, the television programs like 24 and uh, spy programs like that. It's kind of like kind of like that, except not really much like that at all. So, um, all right, uh, I do believe we are going to actually get right into it. The Assignment. Once upon a time in heaven, a flock of angels gathered in their war room for a briefing on some new intel their supervisor has recently acquired. They all stood around a large view screen, which was showing a man's photograph. This is Mr. Charles Bishop. Our sources indicate that he will die on November 22nd at 3.10 a.m. from a massive coronary. That gives us two and a half weeks. Do we have anyone who might reach him before luggage check and departure? The picture on the view screen changed, now showing another man and a young girl. <laughs> yes, we have two potentials. The first is Tim B. Dobbs, who is Mr. Bishop's assistant, but he's very weak in the word. Don't count on him! Kathy Hillman is 16, very close to Bishop's daughter, and she is faithful. I think we can use her. Preparations must be made for that contact. Every precaution must be made to ensure its success. Meanwhile, in hell, a gaggle of demons were also holding a meeting. 
They, too, were looking at a picture of Charles Bishop. Word is out. Charles Bishop would die of a massive coronary. November 22nd, 2.10 a.m. We want no interference from the opposition. We must be on the alert from an attack. Report. There are only two people who could possibly get through to him. The view screen now showed Tim Dobbs and his wife, Ethel. This is Tim B Dobbs and his wife, Ethel. Tim works with Bishop. He's weak and gutless, and best of all... He's ashamed of the gospel. We'll go to work on his wife through Ethel. We'll destroy his testimony. This one, however, is trouble if I've ever seen it. The view screen changed again, showing young, supple Kathy Hillman. She will meet a very handsome young man who will sweep her off her feet for two and a half weeks. See that she does or else. Soon, in Charles Bishop's very office, Tim Dobbs glanced up from his work at the godless heathen, Charles Bishop, while an angel whispered in his ear, You've been here two years and never talked to him about eternal life. Shame on you. But how can I reach him? First chance I get, I'll give him a little tract. At Tim's home, however, a demon was pouring his poisoned words into Tim's wife's all-too-willing ear. Ethel, dear, I just had a horrible thought. What if Tim started preaching to Mr. Bishop? He would lose his job and everything else, like your lovely home. Um, I better bring that to Tim's attention before he puts his foot in his big mouth. That night, when Tim arrived at home. Um, Ethel, my darling, I was thinking I should try and talk to Mr. Bishop about the Lord. You listen to me, Tim B. Dobbs. If you know what's good for you, you'll keep your big mouth closed. I won't have you jeopardizing my security just because you want to be a fanatic. If you say one word to Mr. Bishop, we are through. Do you understand? Um, yes, dear. The next day in the office, Mr. Bishop approached Tim in the lunchroom. Right, Tim, did I see you play over lunch? Um, um, no, Mr. Bishop, I was just thinking, no, I haven't got time for religion. Oh, I just thought it was a very nice sister. Sorry, I misunderstood. Oh no, now I can never witness him. God forgive me. <laughs> it worked. I could give Ethel a big kiss. Meanwhile, at Kathy Hillman's high school, a gorgeous hunk of a man meat approached the life young girl while a demon looked on, grinning. Hi, you're Kathy Hillman, aren't you? I'm Buzz Adams. Hi, Buzz. Wow, is he ever handsome. Now turn on the charm, Buzz boy. Kathy, would you object if I asked you to go to the beach with me this Saturday? I'll let you know tomorrow, Buzz. Young lady, I would be happy to escort you to your next class. However, an angel was also observing the exchange. The angel took that opportunity to stick out his foot and trip a passerby, who fell into Buzz, bumping him. Oops, uh, sorry. Hey, watch it, you crap-chugging idiot. I ought to kick your teeth in for that. I'm sorry, Buzz. What a bully. You're in soaked mothballs. He blew it. A few days later, back in heaven. Tomorrow is the big day. That will be our last chance. Our final plan is underway. And in hell. This is an order. You will keep Kathy away from Bishop. I'm working on it right now. She hasn't got a chance. The demon races down A1 Insurance Agency and begins speaking to Irving Lapsey. Call Charles Bishop and set up an appointment for tomorrow at 3 p.m. You can sell him a big policy. How would I do, neighbor? Hey, I'll call Mr. Charles Bishop. What a great idea! And soon... How'd I do, neighbor? Okay, Mr. Bishop, I'll see you at 3 p.m. shop at your house. Thank you, Mr. Bishop. Yes, I'll be there. Goodbye. I must be a genius. It was so easy. That afternoon, Mr. Bishop, his daughter Sandy, and an unseen angel were at the Bishop residence. Right! What are you doing today, Sandy? She's going to wash her hair. Uh, I think I'm gonna go up and wash my hair, Dad. And over at Kathy Hillman's place... Go over and see Sandy Bishop. 
right now. That's a good idea. Maybe I can get through to her today. Out on the road, the Club of Angels have found a way to pop Irving's tire. Because apparently, they don't want Mr. Bishop's family to get the insurance payoff. Oh no! What a time for a blowout! And I don't have a spare tire! What will Mr. Bishop say? I've got to get to a phone! At the Bishop residence... Hello, Kathy! Hi, Mr. Bishop! Is Sandy home? Come on in! She's washing her hair! But you're too late. Hey, Kathy! Is that a Bible in your hands? Yes, Mr. Bishop. I want to share something with Sandy. If it's interesting, tell me about it! Sorry, I keep grabbing my step on the ground! Come on, Kathy! Share it with me, and don't say the kid's name! Remember now, you asked for it. You better sit down, Mr. Bishop. Look at this. As it is written, there are none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right, keep quoting. I guess that includes me. Yes, it does. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and so death passed upon all men, for they all have sinned. If God loves us so much, he must have provided a way out, or else we'd all be too late. Listen to this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us! Oh, don't stop, Kathy. I mean, don't stop, Kathy! Uh, It also says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Back out on the road, a demon is guiding Irving. Irving, baby, look. There's a phone. But an angel had beaten him there and put an annoying old lady on the phone. An old lady who never stopped talking. So this is what I told her. My arthritis first started in 1932 when I was visiting the Russian Tsar in order to make him believe in the Easter Bunny. Back in those days, the Easter Bunny was actually a five-toed sloth, but no one was really sure what kind of pudding he liked, so we all just tried them all until he started smiling, and we knew I think vanilla was always my favorite, except in September's when I only eat caviar and Ritz crackers. They say everything tastes better on a Ritz cracker, and you know, they're right. Why this one time... Fecal pasta, that was a dirty trick. Back at the bishops. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Right! Go on, Kathy, you're getting through, or else we're all too late. Here's the last one, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Mr. Bishop, won't you receive Jesus as your personal savior? Kathy, I know you're right, and you're not too late. This is what I need. I'll make my decision here tonight, but don't say the Lord's name. Whatever you do, Mr. Bishop, please don't put it off. And so, Mr. Bishop thought it over. If I did give my life to Christ, I'd lose my friends! And I'd say the baptismal name! No! I think I'll wait a few years! There's plenty of time! It's not too late! At precisely 3.10 a.m. that morning, the massive coronary the angels' intel had predicted struck, and the demons were there, waiting and cackling like malicious little bastards. Oh, oh my god, I can't breathe. I feel like Richard Pryor. Ah, oh, somebody help. Ah, ah. I think it was too late. It was a close call, but we got him. And Mr. Bishop suffered eternally, 
Ever After, The End. And that was, in fact, the tract, um, The Assignment. All right, now, as traditional in uh, our show, we are doing uh, a debate now. Uh, I do believe we need two people for our debate. Uh, who is our debater number one? All right, debater number one is right here. Yes. Who, uh, may I ask your name, sir? Yes! What's your name, sir? Yes! Your name is Yes. Yes. All right, and uh, can I have your qualifications? I have qualifications. That's good. Sounds like a background of debating and uh, politics and uh, religion. Yes! And you, sir, what is your name? I would prefer not to give that out, but let's just say I... No, quite a bit on espionage. All right, that's fine. So what can we call you? Jimmy. Jimmy, all right. Jimmy, uh, Mr. Yes versus Jimmy. Uh, no. Yes! <laughs> Let's find out who is on which side of this here debate with the coin toss. And, oh, what a coincidence. Jimmy, uh, you believe that this track, the assignment, is 100% correct, while you, yes, say no. Yes! <laughs> so uh, I do believe it's traditional that the, the attacker is to go first. So, Mr. Yes, I believe you can uh, tell us why this is incorrect. Yes! Yes. Well, this done, is Ryan. incorrect because because it is wrong. Yes. All right, rebuttal, Mister Jimmy. A um, little point of clarification here. Um, am I on the side that is proving this is correct? Yes. Ah. Yeah. Well, I believe all the uh, elements of espionage are quite present in this story. There are some dirty tricks, quite a fine little chase with uh, fast cars, and plenty of explosions. Yes! Oh, so you agree? No! Okay, uh, what do you think is wrong with it then? Uh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. Wait, I was, uh, uh, wait there's an explosion? Yes! <laughs> I think I missed it. What exploded? Apparently you weren't reading into the text enough. Oh, now, my, okay, my question uh, for Jimmy is about uh, the espionage aspect. I don't know if I believe the espionage aspect because uh, while the angels and devils do have a war room, they don't have any, well, they don't have any gadget watches that transform into lasers. They don't have any uh, special flying cars. They don't have any uh, deadly shooting lipstick or pens. Yeah! Uh, which I believe are all true espionage it, aspects. Is that all you think that there is to espionage, you filthy brigand? Yes! Well done, Nadi. I do believe... Uh, okay, uh, to answer actually uh, a little bit more on this espionage question, I do believe we have an, uh, another espionage expert who we called in special about espionage. Hello there. Hi there. Uh, can I introduce yourself, please? I do not want to give my uh, my real name uh, due to security concerns, so you may call me my American code name, which is Skippy, although my real name is Vladimir Prochenkov. Skippy! Skippy! We meet again. No. Okay. we do. So, you, you don't remember St. Petersburg? Not precisely, unless you're saying St. Petersburg in Florida. I have never been to St. Petersburg outside of Florida. You don't remember that blonde I stole from you and cleverly stomped? I'm sorry, I do not. Uh, these things, maybe you have me confused with another Vladimir, I mean Skippy. You stepped on her? <laughs> no, no, no. Stomped. Stomped. With your foot. Yes! <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Uh, Skippy, uh, now, do you want to... Did, did you take issue with any of the things that uh, Jimmy said about espionage? Yes, uh, apparently uh, Jimmy here, being American, uh, doesn't... I mean, <clears throat> being a fellow American, he does I don't not believe, actually, Jimmy is American, now that you mention it. <laughs> yeah! 
Oh, quite your humdinger. I think he seems to be Scottish or, or Welsh or something. No! He is American, just like me. I was born in Pittsburgh. P- no! Yes. Likely story, Ivan. I was born in Pittsburgh. It's a good place. Anyway, uh, this track do you speak of, um, all I can say really is that in uh, contrary Mother Russia, I mean Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, soul belong to God. In Pittsburgh, body belong to state. I- I'm getting a little sus- Man, suspicious. Pittsburgh Skippy, sounds like a really Skippy, can place. you tell us who won the World Series last year? The, yes! The Bears. The Bears did. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, then I guess he really is American. Yes! They faced off against Montreal Canadiens. It was hot game. I have no clue. Canadians won five three. <laughs> Baseball. I guess none of us don't are real Americans. I'm Scottish. Yeah, we don't know much about. No, them. you are American, just like me. I come from Pittsburgh. All right. Well, you have, one, you have one thing for sure, Mr. Ivan. Okay. You're uh, as American as I am. Okay, Mr. Yes. I believe you want to say something else about how wrong this is because uh, it seems like so far. Yeah. So far, they haven't really. Uh, you haven't really persuaded me that this is not true. Well, it's not true. After the show. I, I do believe we actually have someone, uh, one of the actual literal characters from the tract, uh, here in the studio with us, who I believe agrees that it's not true. Um, can one of those people please come forward? I was one time, I was walking up the hill to school, and back in those days you had to walk uphill both ways, and I was wearing bread bags on Ma'am? my feet to keep my feet dry yeah! because I didn't have any boots, so and it was the worst winter of Ma'am? 22. Okay, uh, so Somebody kill her, please. <laughs> no, uh, you know what? I believe uh, this was actually we. This was uh, given to me on advice. I believe we are supposed to kill old women if they are communists. Yes. Yeah. This is what I remember hearing somewhere once. Oh, there is nothing wrong with communism. I mean Pittsburgh. Oh, town government. Actually, there's nothing wrong with women. We just convert them away from communism with uh, the love of our agents. You talk about love. All right, well, let's I see. I saw you with that girl. Quick, you let's you remember that <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> all, right. Quite all right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, gentlemen. Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. Gentlemen, you can, you, can, you can bring your covert love in later. Uh, I do want to wrap this up. So, uh, closing arguments before I decide who won the debate. Uh, yes? Yes! Yes, and uh, Jimmy? All I got to say is, the dossier from MI6 proves this perfectly correct. Workers at the World Update tonight. All right, well, let's see Let's see who's, uh, whether yes or the dossier is more compelling, and in fact, oh, I'm sorry, yes wins. Yes! Uh, but I forgot what his argument is, so uh, I think yes. We can all just kind of say yes together. This man cheats. He reads from the card. You hear me? The card! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No cards, no cards. It's Peter, Peter. Thank you all for being here for Tractor Fiction. Yes! <laughs> Enjoy. That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of... Frank Allen, Aaron Bass, Scott Finbill, Magdalena Richards, Nicholas Roach, Daniel Schwartz, Angela Tymon, Sam Thomason, Devin White, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. And Frank, my understanding is you want to just hop right into your Frank Allen interview? Is it is it relevant to that tract? No, no, it's not relevant to that tract. I just uh, I just want to make sure that you don't steal my time for something else. No, no, I'm not going to. Uh, but let's go right into it. Yeah, please. This is going to be uh, <laughs> a lot of fun. Frank Allen Interviews, starring Frank Allen. 
Welcome to this episode of Frank Allen Interviews. I am continuing with my Frank Allen investigative interviews uh, with a very special interview in which we are looking into uh, last week's attempted product placement of cheese crackers by Mr. Rory Sinjin. What I'm doing is I'm getting in contact with the makers of cheese crackers to hear their side of the story, uh, whether it would have worked, what uh, kind of deal it would have gotten them, think, you know, things like that. I want to blow the lid off this. I want to see, you know, the corporate impropriety or or the total transparency. I mean, we'll see. Do they have something to hide? This is the question we're trying to answer. Let me uh, place the call here <clears throat> and we'll get to the bottom of this. Foods International. Yes. Uh, can I please speak to the head of your cracker division, please? One moment. George Kozak, Crackers. Hello, uh, Mr. Uh, I'm sorry, what was your name? George Kozak. You called me, correct? Yes. Uh, my name's Frank Allen. I uh, work very closely with your product as an employee at the uh, supermarket. But in addition, I'm also a, a host of a podcast. And I just wanted to ask you a few questions, if that's all right, about your crackers. Absolutely. We're very proud of our crackers here. Uh, I would love to, to talk to you about those crackers. Very good stuff. Yes, yes. So, Mr. Uh, Skozak? Yes, George Kozak. That's my name. Working crackers. Mr. Skozak. Uh, so, here's what I wanted to know. Uh cheese crackers. Let's say someone like me or a colleague of mine, for example, had a podcast. And on that podcast, uh, they were eating cheese crackers and kept talking about cheese crackers and how good cheese crackers were. Uh, do you think that even though there was no deal previously made with cheese crackers, that cheese crackers might feel the need to thank a host like, you know, a colleague of mine, something like that? Uh, would they, for example, give them cheese crackers or would they give them, you know, money? Well, I'm sure I'm sure we wouldn't give money because uh, money is uh, what we're in business to get. So we don't want to spend money on things that we don't have to spend money on. That's that's the way we, we would look at that. But on the other hand, crackers, we are definitely in the business of getting rid of crackers. We have lots of crackers. We want to get crackers out there. We make cheese crackers. We want to get rid of them. That's the whole point. Getting money, getting rid of crackers. We could do, if we could, if we could just get money, we'd do that. So if we can't, we'll do both. And I guess if we just want to get rid of crackers, we'll just do that. So yes, would we give crackers? We would absolutely give crackers. We've got crackers coming out of butts. we got lots of crackers. You do? Oh, good. Interesting. Absolutely, absolutely. So if you're, like, let's say, for example, you had a podcast and you kept saying cheese crackers on that podcast and you were eating cheese crackers and saying cheese crackers were good, sure, we'd give you cheese crackers. You would. Oh, okay. That's fascinating. So even though there was no signed contract prearranged ahead of time between someone like myself and cheese crackers, you would still uh, be thankful and appreciative of someone uh, plugging your product in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. This sort of thing happens all the time. You know, uh, people mention it on a television show. We go, oh, great. Give them, give them crackers. People, a podcast? Sure. Why not? If enough people listen to it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to be honest with you, if you if you just stood on the street loud enough and said how much you like cheese crackers, we'd give you crackers. As long as a lot of people heard you. If you're just walking with your friends, say, hey, I'd like some crackers. What kind? Cheese crackers? They're great. No, no, that's probably not good enough. But maybe, maybe uh, 50, 50 people hear you. Yeah, sure. Why not? We'll give you crackers. We, like I said, we got lots of crackers. What the hell are we going to do with crackers? Nothing. We give them to people. That's what we do. Sell them or give them to people who help us sell them. You know, what, what's the difference? Either way, it ends up with us having money and uh, crackers being gone. Wow. So, okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, now, what if it was, uh, what if, what if they, they were hinting that it was cheese crackers, but you never actually heard the words cheese crackers? Not good enough, because it could be anything. Uh, you could be, you could be talking about, uh, crackers. You could be talking about, uh, crackers. It could be anything. It's got to be cheese crackers. You got to say cheese crackers. Got all, all three words in there. Just cheese crackers, that's not enough. So if it was like a beep, what if it was like censored? No, it's not good enough. But if you keep saying cheese crackers, cheese crackers, and you actually hear it, then absolutely, absolutely. We give you probably uh, maybe a, a lifetime supply for every time it was said. Whoa, I'm sorry. A lifetime supply for every time? That's a lot of, I mean, for example, this recording here, that would be a lot of lifetimes. 
for me because I've said it a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. What, I mean, like I said, what are we going to do with crackers? We make crackers all the time. Give them, give them to you. That's fine. Really? So, so me recording this for my podcast, you might feel the need to give them to me. Oh, sure. Why not? I mean, you haven't even heard my podcast. You don't know. You, you don't even know what it's like. So maybe I don't have listeners. Or yeah, whatever. but I've got lots of crackers. You're talking to me. You're making a deal with me. And so, I mean, this is not a contract, but it's like you're talking to me. So it's like it's like we got a deal. It's like we got some kind of deal going. Might as well give you crackers. You, you want you want some crackers? I'll, t- I'll have you talk to my secretary, Jane. Jane, we got a guy who wants crackers. What's your name? Uh, my name's Frank Allen. Frank Allen. Look him up. Where, where, where you live, Frank Allen? Um, I live in uh, I live in uh, uh, New York in Queens. Queens. Look him up. You got him? Okay, we, we got you. Well, I didn't even give you my address. No, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got files. We got files. You know, she's crackers. Come to your house. Look forward to tomorrow. We got it overnight. Whoa, you're overnighting the, the, the crackers. Always saying thank you. You know, this is how we give back crackers. I mean, that's all we got to give. We're not going to give you money. We're going to give you crackers. That's what we got. We're a cracker company. I'm the vice president of crackers here. I, I've got crackers. Somebody comes to me, they say, hey, uh, you know, I want some uh, cookies. Uh, what, what do you want from cookies for me? I'm a cracker guy. Got crackers. Got she's crackers. You want she's crackers? You want? You, hey, you want? Those crackers. I don't got those. I've got crackers. That's all I can give you. I guess I understand that. Well, that's really interesting. So I'm going to have a lifetime supply of crackers. Well, it depends on how, how fat much you eat. If you're a fat guy, maybe not. Maybe maybe a week. You know. But uh, if you if you eat them sensibly, if you eat them healthily, yeah, this will last you for your whole lifetime. You probably shouldn't eat that many crackers at once. You know. Well, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, I'm trying to watch my figure here. Yeah. So uh, sensible guy, sensible guy. Uh, this will last your lifetime. Sure. Absolutely. Why not? Uh, at least until the you know until you die. That's usually when a lifetime ends. I as far as I know. So okay. So but let's say somebody that you didn't talk to, somebody you didn't make a kind of a, an agreement with, like me, was just talking. About them and say, oh, you know, nom, 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 these are good. Uh, these are uh, beep cheese crackers, you know, beep. I really love to eat crackers by beep, you know. How about that? Would that mean anything to you whatsoever? No, it'd be a waste of time. What do I care? Why are you even talking to me about this? This is stupid. Well, I'm, I'm just saying it's like a hypothetical. It's just a hypothetical situation. Just if that sort of thing happened. No, what do I want from that guy? That doesn't that doesn't mean anything to me. But I'll tell you what. You mention cheese crackers on every show. I'll give you a lifetime supply every show. How about that? No, I don't think I'm. I mean, I you know, I, I don't think I can make a deal like that. Um, oh come on, come on, come on. How about this? Okay, I got a better deal. I got a better deal. What if we give you a lifetime supply of crackers? Lifetime supply of cheese crackers. Where every time a listener hears you say cheese crackers, so if you say it ten times on a podcast and you get hundred listeners, that's 1,000 lifetimes of crackers. What am I going to do with crackers? You can have the crackers. 1,000 lifetimes. Because I'm going to sell more than that. I'm going to sell 20, 20,000. I'm going to sell I'm going to sell a million lifetimes tomorrow. I mean, you know, obviously you don't need that many crackers, right? So, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll give you crackers. No, I'm, I, like I said, I, I can't, I'm not, you know, in a position to make that sort of a deal. All right, I'll tell you what. You drive a hard bargain. Here's, here's the deal. Mr. Frank Allen, here's the deal. I'll give you one lifetime supply of crackers for every cracker in every box of crackers bought by a person who will ever listen to your podcast when you mention cheese crackers ever. So, you get 100 listeners per show. Each of them buys one box of crackers. How many crackers in a box? Got to be at least. I don't know, 100, right? So 100 people buy one box, that's 100 times 100, that's 10,000. That's 10,000 lifetimes crackers. Yeah, but, uh, you know, how can I, I'm not going to be able to eat that many crackers. What am I going to do with that many crackers? I don't know. What do I do with that many crackers? Give them away. Sell them. Hey, uh, well, you can't sell them. That's illegal. You can give them away to people. So people say to you, uh, hey, hey, Frank Allen, can I uh, mention Frank Allen on my show? And, you know, what are you going to do? Give them more Frank Allen? No. Give them a lifetime supply of crackers. You just say, pour one of those lifetime supply of crackers over them. But then aren't you losing business? Aren't you, if I give lifetime supply of crackers to, to people that I do business with, those are people who would be buying crackers. And so you're losing business. Yeah. All right, yeah, that's true, yeah. All right, well, tell you what. I'm going to give you one lifetime supply of crackers. That's all you get. And you can't give it away. That's a non-refundable, non-transferable. So it's your one lifetime. You got a deal? Well, I mean, yeah, you're already going to do that, right? So I don't, it's not really a deal. All right, it's a deal. Uh, you want anything else? What do you want? You want me to put you back to uh, the other people? You want to talk to our cookie department? Get cookies. No, no, I just wanted to. I'm, no, I'm doing an investigation. It's a, I'm trying to check, check into, like, corporate greed. Oh, so it's also about. I, I just want money. I mean, corporate greed. That's, you know, duh. But, uh, what, am I, what, am I, what, am I, what am I making money for here? Greed. You know, of course. I make money so I can get more money. Give it to people who uh, want more money than me. But I want more money than them. So I take it all. See what I'm saying? Business strategy, business strategy. So this is the way it works. You know, one person wants money, the other person wants money more. Uh, the one of them gets money, but it's probably going to be me because I want the most. And I'll give you crackers, but you're not going to get my money. I'll give you crackers. You're not going to get my money. All right, well, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, 
Thank you. Mr. Skolnick, uh, thank you for this interview. I think I learned something, but, you know, I'll leave it to the listeners to decide what was learned here today, I think. Yeah, you know, listeners, sure. Uh, tell them they want to buy cheese crackers. That's what they learned. That's what they better have learned. You're going to a lifetime supply, and otherwise it's a waste of my money. I mean, my lifetime supply. I mean, my crackers. It's like robbing me. You know, you get you know what I'm saying? Uh, no, but, yeah, you know, somebody gets it. Look, the point is, uh, thank you for the interview, and uh, thank you for the crackers. Hey, no problem. Make cheese crackers every time. Uh, I'll try. I'll think about it. All right. Wow. Uh, Yeah, so, like I said, uh, something was learned, uh, and I hope that it was to you as well. This is Frank Allen here on Frank Allen Interviews, and I'll talk to you soon. You despicable bastard. What? No, no, I wouldn't. Why would you even say that? Because of what you just did to me. No, it was not. I didn't do anything to you. It was an investigative... I'm an investigative interviewer, which I don't think really is much of a thing, but that's... I, I am that thing. No, 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 no. Because what you just did, he already bleeped out everything that I said, and now you're saying that you're going to get the, 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 the crackers that I was looking to get, and you didn't even get to say it either. That's, I mean, that's completely unfair. Oh. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I talked to the guy. I mean, if you had talked to this guy, he probably would have given you crackers. Yes, but you got the crackers, and I did all the work. I did all the eating, and you're sounding like a... And, and then you get the crackers, and you didn't even say it either, and, and you didn't have to eat it, and you didn't have to sound like an idiot. So, that's not right. You have backstabbed me. You have done to me way worse than I ever did to you. Now, I consider us completely even for anything that you perceive I did to you. What? No, you did way worse to me. You you told the guy that he shouldn't hire me. He already didn't hire you. I just told him he was right not to hire you. It's a different thing entirely. It's not different, because what if he, he could have changed his mind and you told him not to? You told him he did the right thing. I could have been a radio host now, and it, you didn't... He wouldn't have hired you. He wasn't going to hire you. You're a terrible radio host. He wasn't going to hire you. But you took my crackers. I ate the crackers, and I clearly wanted those crackers. I clearly wanted those crackers, and you got the crackers. You got the stupid crackers. And you know what? I'm, I'm sure you're, you're, they're not going to last you a lifetime. You're going to finish them in less than a week because you're fat, and you're going to get even fatter because their stupid crackers are going to make you even fatter. Stupid cheese crackers. Forget them. They're terrible and they're a waste of my time. I don't even want them. So forget it. I don't want any crackers from you. I wasn't going to give you any crackers, because I'm, and I'm not fat. So, so forget it. Well, you're a real fat. Right. So, speaking of people disagreeing with each other, um, it's time for Guard Duty. In the last episode of Guard Duty, you'll remember, there was a group meeting of the Earth Guard, and they were all debating whether or not Ocean Man should be kicked off the team for lying to them all. In the middle of that meeting, a breakout happened at the powerhouse, which is the prison for all these superpowered villains. So they had to call it off for a moment and finish it later. Want to know the results of that vote? Well, you'll find out in this episode, which features Captain Fantasy and Binary Girl. Hope you dig it. The Earth Guard, the planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations, they watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard take shifts, monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard Duty. This week, Captain Fantasy and Binary Girl in Plugging Leaks. 
Hi! Why, hello there, Disastrous. What can I do for you? I have to go to the bathroom. Well, as you can see, each cell is complete with a toilet unit. I know it's a bit makeshift, but as soon as the powerhouse is fixed up, we can transfer you back there. I can't just go out in the open like this. Oh, of course. Well, if you'd like, I can shroud the cell in a veil of twilight, which would last- What? No, Captain, don't- don't do that. You can go there, Disastrous, or you can hold it. Those are your options, and neither one is skin off my noses. Nose. Whatever. This is cruel and unusual punishment. You can't do this to me. It's not my fault the mollusk destroyed the prison. But it is your fault you chose to become a supervillain, and it was your choice to use the attack to make another disaster blaster and try to escape, was it not? I'm sorry if you're used to a more solitary existence back in the prison, but here, you're just going to have to make do. Bitch. Excuse me? Was there something else you wanted to say? But a bipolar girl. That's what I thought. Sorry for the trouble. Captain! What do you think you're doing? Disastrous is a prisoner here. I don't like being bitchy any more than you do, but you have to at least try to act tough. They'll have the powerhouse fixed in a few days, and until then, we need any prisoners to think we're ready to lay the smack down at any time, even if it isn't how we normally act. Uh, hey, bisexual girl? You do realize you've got your other self whispering all this to me, right? Just take your tinkle and shut the hell up. Ooh, scary. It's as though you're completely ready to lay the smack down at any time. Wow, you certainly talk tougher than we do. I'd like to see you talk back that way to the scary thin farmer. What? Maybe you can try that when you see him next time you fall asleep. And if it doesn't work, you can always keep trying every night if you like. How do you know about that? You can dream about the cow field tonight, or you can dream about your mom and sister. The choice is yours. But don't answer now. You can let me know your choice through your behavior, okay? Okay? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Wow. Nicely done. What was all that farmer stuff? Oh, just something from the world of dreams. Something she's afraid of. Cool. I'll have to remember that. Er, actually, if you wouldn't mind, I'd rather you didn't. What? Why? I got the information from her dreams. It's sort of, I don't know, privileged information. It's not really fair of me to reveal it like that. Oh, come on. She's a killer. She's a super criminal. She's worthless scum. I'm right over here, you know. Shut up! Get my disaster blast or I'll show you a killer. She's a human being just like anyone else. I don't judge. I can see inside of everyone in the world of dreams. I try not to reveal anyone's secrets unless absolutely necessary. Wait, you know all of our secrets? Well, sort of. I mean, I could... I see them, but I've taken to pretty much ignoring them unless I have a specific reason to look, but... Er, yes, if you mean do I know about... You know what, with you know who... Yes. But you said you don't look! You try not to look! Well, yes, but some things are too obvious to ignore. Plus, there's been all this attention on it. I couldn't help it. So you just popped your brain into my personal business? That's a little unfair. Your business? What are you... Oh... Oh, I, I hadn't realized... What? You and... Shh! No, I, I didn't know about that! I just found that out just now because you brought it up! Then what, what were, were you, you talking, talking about? about? I was talking about Brabant voting Ocean Man off the team! What? You know why he did that? There was no way I thought he would kick him off. You've got to tell me why. I... I can't. You can? I oughtn't. Oh, come on. Nuh-uh. I won't tell anyone. No one will have to know. It can be our secret? 
Pretty please? No. Hey, what? what? I really have to go to the bathroom. No one's stopping you. I can't go when there's a guy in the room. I can turn around. Oh, yeah, very chivalrous, dream boy. Can't you just step outside for a minute? I'm afraid not. Earthguard regulations require two of us on guard duty at all times. Peas Blossom should be relieving me shortly, if you can wait till then. Fine. But understand this. When I finally do get free again, oh, and make no mistake, I will, I am going to personally crush you. I'll find your home and level it with an earthquake. Find your family and burn them in their beds. I'll find a way to destroy the world of dreams if I can, but... Trust me. Trust me, you... You... Sweet dreams. Scary thin farmer dreams. Check. Looks like you've made yourself a new arch enemy. I'm not worried. She's not going to be able to touch the world of dreams. And your home? Don't have one. You don't... Where do you go when you're off duty? The world of dreams. And where does your body go? Oh, it wanders about. I wake up in the oddest places sometimes. I remember once I woke up in this opium den, which is awkward because A, I don't do opium, and B, I- Told you, get your gay ass fairyland hands off me! I'm not gonna tell you again, you stupid Be silent, villain! Get thee in thy cell before I thrash thee more, foul ne'er-do-well! Hey there, Peas. Good- good to see you. Who do we have here? Tis Dragon Drop of the Sysops, the Brute. Let me out of this field and I'll show you a brute. Yeah, I'll make you forget all your little girly friends. Dragon Drop you right on top, on top of my top. Uh... Thanks, Cap. We owe you one. We? Oh, I I don't think that's appropriate. Shut up. Maybe I should stay in. We'll be fine. I'm sure you have lots of giant monkeys to feed or something. Go on. Well, there's no need for him. No, no, no. no. He He needs needs to to go. go. Scoot. All right, but I have to say I... Bye. Farewell. But this is... Did Captain Fantasy need to retire? He seemed reluctant to leave us alone. Oh, he's he's just just being being a stickler. stickler. No big deal. But But I was thinking, thinking, since since both of these jerks jerks are asleep... (laughs) Perhaps you have forgotten, Barbara, but we have a duty to perform just now. No, not a problem. I'll I'll just leave one one of me here here and... We can be elsewhere. <laughs> what the hell? Duty by Jordan D. White with Michael D. Mikowski as the narrator Nicholas Roach as Captain Fantasy Lynn Nelson as Binary Girl Angela Tymon as Peas Blossom Magdalena Richards as Disastrous Daniel Schwartz as Dragon Drop with theme song by Michael D. Mikowski Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast after guard duty. Hope everybody enjoyed that, and it is very sad for everyone that Ocean Man was in fact kicked off the team.
broadband voted to kick him off. Why would he do such a thing? Well, maybe we'll find out someday. Anyway, before we go, we do want to have our one last section of the show, which is the listener mail. If you want to send us some mail again, remember, you can send us mail at castinwax at gmail.com. We've got three little letters here this time. The first one is for, well, I believe it's for Scape. Uh, yeah, it says a letter for Scapey, but it's addressed, Hi, Stupid Head. Ah! Lame! That's not, I, it's not for me. It's for you, Dad. No, it says a letter for Scapey. This is a letter, obviously, it's from Boo, who is my other cat. <sighs> anyway, here, let me read it. Uh, it says, Hi, stupid head. You said on the podcast that you didn't want to be put in boxes, but I've seen you many times sleeping very comfortably in a box. I think you might be a big liar. Also, Dr. Sass called and said that he ran tests on your brain and that you are actually stupid, like medically. Your brain is really small. Stop eating my MF. I'm going to sit on you and squish you. Boo. Okay, well, first of all, uh, she's the one who's wrong because Dr. Sass, uh, didn't do tests. Wait, he didn't do tests? Uh, so, but he's a doctor. I mean, if he's not doing tests and checking you out, it doesn't sound like he's doing a very good job as your doctor. Well, no, I mean, he did tests, but not like medical brain small tests. I don't even think that's a real test. Well, then obviously he didn't do it. My point is that's not true. She said my brain is small, but it's not. Uh, it's regular. I mean, it's, it's even bigger, probably, because I'm smart. And if she doesn't want me to eat her MF, then she shouldn't leave it sitting there. For those of you who are not scape, MF is code for moist food. And uh, that's what he's talking about. He's saying she she walks away from it, and then he's allowed to eat it. Well, that's the way. It's the raw of the jungle. You don't live in the jungle. It's the raw of the, it's the, raw of the kitchen. Forget it. Point is, I eat it. It's there. I eat it. Fine, but she is going to sit on you and squish you. No, I kick her butt whenever we fight. Escape. You don't. She's bigger than you. She kicks your butt so hard, and she sits on you and squishes you. No, Dad. First of all, you're wrong. Second of all, don't tell him on the podcast. Don't whisper into the microphone. It's stupid. Shut, shut up! Okay, is there another letter? Yes, uh, there actually is another letter. Uh, Frank, did you want to do the honors? Yes, I will read this one. As Dear sirs, I have been a loyal listener to Cast and Wax for some time now. However, I must say I was rather stunned by certain remarks Jordan made in the most recent episode. After last week, when you very nobly and humbly admitted that you were ready to face criticism, opening yourself up to listener mail would entail, this week you said quite possibly the most arrogant thing I have heard on any episode. How is it that you have the audacity to assume that every comment you receive from here on will be filled with nothing but praise and adulation? I find it hard to believe that you seriously suggest that just because a person is in Enlightened enough to listen to your glorious productions, that person is automatically superior to the rest of humanity. Are you that incapable of taking criticism, or are you just so delusional that you can truly believe such criticism could not exist? Cast and Wax is a wonderful show, but you open yourself to abuse by suggesting that your product is flawless. The writer of last week's letter does not represent Cast and Wax fan community. We are open to the suggestion that we might have negative things to say about our favorite podcast, and we expect you to be open to listening to them. Other than that, you're doing a great job, and the show is amazing. Sincerely yours, Winston Black. Winston, um, thank you for writing. I, I can't win. Okay, uh, basically, I would really like people to write into castandwax at gmail.com. Whether they say good things or bad things is, is the real fact. I, I don't think our podcast is perfect, and I also don't think our podcast sucks, so I'm assuming that someone could say something either way, right? Is that, is that cool with you, Winston? Do I have your permission? I don't need your permission, but maybe I do. I better not say anything definitive, because if I do, somebody will disagree with it. Or I better say something definitive, and no one will disagree with it. Or everyone will. This is... It's it's hard. Okay, let's go to the final. Dear podcasters, I wanted to thank you guys, especially Rory St. John. Uh, it's Sinjin. Thank you. Uh, sorry, yes. Rory Sinjin. It's just when I see it written out, 
It looks like St. John's. So. Yes, it's it's Sinjin. You know, it's it's pronounced Sinjin. Sorry. Um, I want to thank you guys, especially Roy Sinjin, for your endorsement of Beep Cheese Crackers on last week's show. A friend tipped me off to it, and I thought it was really great. Very clever how you made it a comedy bit. Also, I like the sound effect you used to make the name of the product. We may pick that up. Anyway, if you guys need some samples, all I'll need is an address. Jeremy Kamsky, marketing director of Beep Cheese Crackers. Yes, uh, that's, no, that's true. Uh, yes, that is absolutely what I meant. Beep Cheese Crackers. And I was saying Cheese Crackers to get you to... Beep it, because I knew you'd beep it. And then it was called Beep Cheese Crackers. Rory, that's, I mean, that's clearly not true. You were saying the name of the the brand you were trying to advertise. I beeped it because I didn't want you to say it. You weren't talking about Beep Cheese Crackers. No, it was all just a very clever, not only did I say it, but I got him to say it. I got Frank to say it. And and then you bleeped him because I was, it was Beep Cheese Crackers, which I would like to get samples of, please. Yeah, but, uh, but Rory, I, okay, if your clever ruse worked, why did you say that Beep Cheese Crackers uh, were stupid and would make you fat and uh, bad things about them there. I, uh, well, uh, we can, Jordan, we can edit that out, can't we? We record this, it's a live podcast. We, we, it broadcasts over the internet live as we say it. Really? Is that how, is that how, I didn't think that was. No, he's lying to you. He's lying to you, Rory. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm lying. I just, I didn't, I don't want to edit it out. I think I like that part. You know, you know, this is not just, just Rory, just go back to your miscarriage of justice plans. A- again, everybody, if you want to write into us, it's castandwax at gmail.com. You can write to me or Rory or Frank or Scapy. But for now, it's time for us to bid you adieu, and we'll be back next week with more show. Here we go with more of that old timey music, waxwork theme cue coming up in the background. Be seeing you. Waxwork should be what you think The first Monday of each week Or you won't be very pleased with what I'll do Make you swallow powdered glass Pull your intestines out your ass And some other things that seem unpleasant too Cause there is quite a lot of wax on that Some people say it wings, but we shall eat the brains and kick them in the crotches too. For everyone should love this one, this website, everybody and their mom. Don't make me say it again. You've got till the count of ten. Get your ass On the next episode of Cast and Wax. Unlike Mother, Pandora seems to be picking up on Cask's clues. Jason Brandt? He'll be speaking at the demonstration. He's a big deal on the internet, organizing protests, circulating petitions, really working for the little guy. Bobby, I think they're going to kill him. What? That bland guy. Brandt? Whatever, they're going to kill him. Under Betatorium, we don't shy away from the tough topics. I represent the uh, Coalition Against Robot Sexual Assault. Are you trying to stop robots from sexually assaulting people? Well, of or? course. What kind of monster would want robots to sexually assault people? But you're not trying to stop people from sexually assaulting robots. No, that's fine. Okay. And on Epic Echoes, two of the flashbacks seem to be getting closer. Max and I have stopped for dinner in El Paso. I know a nice place, and we're famished. It must be a really nice place for you to make yourself up. You never touch this stuff. Well, I want to look nice for Max. It's something of a date, you know. All this, plus a Frank Allen interview and historical facts, coming on July 28th to waxwork.com.